The Coin Week podcast is brought to you by Certified Acceptance Corporation, CAC. Folks, in this podcast, I'm going to talk quite a bit about coin grading and how to set up your submission for success. Do you know that most collectors have experienced tremendous success buying and selling CAC coins over the course of the past five years? It's true. The coin market can be a fickle thing, but one thing that is constant is the high standards for technical merit and eye appeal that come with coins that have the CAC green bean. Look for them the next time you want to add to your collection. If you're anything like me, then you probably on one or more occasions put together a coin submission to one of the major third-party grading services. The reason you might have done this could have run the gamut from the personal to the profitable. I look at the process as a way to preserve coins in their present condition, to apply a professional attribution to them so that they may trade more easily, or simply for the purpose of adding certified coins to my existing collection of certified coins. Over the years, I have looked at a lot of raw material in the hopes that my grading eye is good enough to cherry nice coins from dealers' inventories. As uncirculated coins, especially U.S. ones, have become almost completely enveloped by plastic holders in recent decades, I find that many dealers do not have the time to systematically appraise all of their holdings, which means that even today an eagle-eyed collector always has a shot to buy something that is significantly undervalued and undergraded. Buying this type of material is actually a pretty common side hustle for most major coin dealers. And those who are tack sharp with their grading skills make quite a bit of money playing this game. For most people, taking shots on four or five figure coins that are possible upgrades is not realistic. But the idea of creating arbitrage by finding great coins and putting them in slabs is something that virtually any collector with a bit of practice and expertise can accomplish. A few years ago, I wrote a piece for Coin Week that outlined my coin submission success strategies. These were what I felt to be excellent tips for collector submitters looking to maximize their time and investment. Coin grading can be a rather costly undertaking, and selecting the wrong coins for grading and getting a bad result may dissuade some people from ever trying again. These tips won't make your coins better, but can set your thinking in the right direction as it comes to buying quality coins, building an eye appeal positive submission, and getting the results that you want. These strategies can be applied to classic coins, modern coins, and world coins. I especially like the opportunity that modern and world coins provide, especially modern world coins. With classic U.S. coins, you have a mature market, and really nice pieces can be very expensive. Most nice material has also been accounted for and graded, and coins that aren't encapsulated have to satisfy a few critical questions. Where has the coin been the past 30 years? Is it real? Why hasn't it been graded? Is it gradable? You don't have to stretch your imagination too far to see how many of these answers are absolutely critical. Buy a coin that has been messed with and it might not grade. In fact, the coin might be raw because it has already been messed with and others have tried and failed to slab it. The coin might not be authentic. We have seen major advances in counterfeiting methods employed to deceive collectors of numismatic coins. It's startling how real some fakes look. So in this regard, the first thing I ask myself, if I saw a rare coin like an 1893S Morgan dollar, how did this person come to acquire it? Are they knowledgeable about coins? 
Why hasn't this coin already been sent to a service for authentication, and why are they offering it to me? Most reputable dealers I know guarantee the authenticity of the coins they sell. They do not want the liability to their pocketbooks or reputations that comes with selling fake coins. This is why almost every major dealer of U.S. coins trades in certified material today. They let NGC and PCGS take the hit if the coin turns out to be fake. And also, folks, dealers, and I say this with the utmost respect for them, as many are my friends, I like many of them very much, and I'm perfectly willing to take most of them out to a fancy restaurant and even pay for their steak dinners, but none of them that I know are in the business of getting a potential great deal on a raw, valuable coin and flipping it over to a customer before they get the coin slapped to maximize its market potential. To expect a coin dealer to do otherwise is like expecting a great chef to plate food before it's even cooked. Modern coins and most world coins operate in a different way. This is why I've turned much of my personal collecting attention to moderns and world coins. I don't mean moderns in the fresh off the mint press way, I mean 20th century coinage, mostly circulating coinage, struck up to about the 1980s. I realize that some traditionalists among you might argue that a high mintage coin in a low, for now, top pop grade is a poor investment. And it most certainly is if you buy one for tens of thousands of dollars and assume that more won't be found and your example will most certainly appreciate and value. This is usually not the case. But what is the harm of finding that same coin in a mint set after looking through dozens if not hundreds of sets and submitting it for grading, getting it back in a top pop grade, and either selling it for a nice profit or building a collection of your own design that includes premium quality coins that you yourself found by looking. The process of finding for me, in this instance, is part of the joy. It's analogous to what Cherry Picker's Guide is for varieties. Furthermore, when it comes to moderns, I ask you, do you ever see a point when we'll see a similar amount of high-end modern material for 1983p half dollars or 1957 Franklin half dollars or going with my love for modern roll coins, the 1975 Vietnamese 50 dong? as we do for 1921 Morgans in Mint State? The answer is no, no, and most certainly not. The 7550 Dong is unbelievably rare. So let's get into it. What are my six tips for coin grading submission success? Number one, decide which coins to submit. The most important step is selecting which coins to submit, and this requires research teamed with patience and a good eye. Circulating coins don't get delivered from the mint to the consumer's hand in a perfect state of preservation, nor are all coins created equally. A variety of factors like planchet condition, the quality of the strike, and die state can impose limits on how high the grade for a mint state condition coin can be. Other, more subjective factors, such as eye appeal, also play a role in determining a coin's value. Consider eye appeal. I always tell people eye appeal is, quote, I appeal, as in you. In other words, if the coin doesn't appeal to you visually, why would it appeal to anybody else? A coin with great I appeal will command stronger prices than a humdrum coin in grade that is technically a notch or two higher on the Sheldon scale. Grade alone does not determine the desirability of a coin. Desirability determines desirability. As a submitter, I would just as soon submit a coin with fantastic eye appeal is submit one that is technically freer of grade limiting flaws, but has a look that doesn't garner much enthusiasm. 
If the first thing you do when considering a coin at a coin shop is to look at the grade marked on the holder and then pony up some money, then you should reconsider your approach. If you turn down the opportunity to buy a fantastic coin that you really like because the grade on the holder is a point less than you prefer, you should also reconsider your approach. Actually, even if you do everything right all the time, you should reconsider your approach. You should constantly reconsider your approach. We can all get better at this. Number two, upside is not the only factor when you have coins with great eye appeal. A few years ago, I wrote about a 1982D Washington half dollar that I purchased. This coin is about as common as they come, and the coin shop that I stopped at must have really had nothing on offer for me to even spend time looking through stacks of these things. But I found one that had a fantastic look. Basically, it was fully proof-like, with frost on the devices. And this was a mint state coin. I'd hoped that it might grade MS69, as this was basically the only grade worth the time. In the numismatist column I wrote with Hubert Walker a few years ago, we described a concept we call terminal point. That basically describes the lowest grade that a coin can earn and still be profitable for the submitter. I think with this 82D commemorative half, 69 was basically the terminal point. In terms of profitability then, I knew that this coin had plenty of downside risk and not much in the way of upside potential. The coin didn't look perfect to me, but it was premium quality for the issue. My best case scenario, after looking the piece over, is that the coin might come back in a 68 holder. It didn't even get that though. PCGS called it a 66. After getting it back and really looking it over, I learned a few things. 66s on coins struck for circulation can be beat the hell up, but for a coin that is made and packaged and meant as a collectible, the tiniest issues can significantly downgrade a coin. Kinda sucks, doesn't it? At the time, I thought it did. Getting into world coins a bit. I love digging through FAO albums and world mint sets and proof sets. There are so many fantastic coins that have been struck over the years, and most of these coins are seldom encountered in slabs. Once I bought a six-year run of Japanese proof sets. They were super high quality. I submitted the coins, and most came back 70, and I sold all of them for a profit. Same thing with 1980s Italian and 1970s San Marino mint sets. Coins come nice, few certified, nice coins with low pops find buyers, and leave some room for the collector submitter. Even if the coins aren't technically perfect, a great coin with color or flashy luster is probably worth your faith, trust, and submission dollars. A tone set of Egyptian coins went up on sale a few years ago on eBay, and I placed a couple of bids on them, but didn't win them. I see them now for sale in a dealer's case at a show for multiples of what the coins sold for. There is a market to be made and quality coins regardless of when they were struck or where based on eye appeal. Number three, wobble your coins under a grading quality lamp. The biggest mistake you can make evaluating a coin is looking at it under less than ideal light. Hairline scratches, abrasions, and breaks in luster can all be camouflaged without exposing the coin to light coming from all directions. Also, collectors typically are at a disadvantage by not having a vast pool of coins at their disposal to study and get a feel for the nuances of each date, mint, and series. This comes with time. Unfortunately, when it comes to paying $15 to $30 per submission, Time is money. Your best tool for identifying coins is the fine art of wobbling. Light reflects scratches in the metal, and wobbling a coin can get light into the cracks where you probably wouldn't see them if you were simply looking at a still image of a coin or a coin still in your hand. A proper wobble and close inspection can separate the contenders from the pretenders. 
I've seen professional graders do this in the grading room, and these folks evaluate thousands of coins per day. Wobbling a coin with correct light is the quickest way to disabuse yourself of the notion that you are holding a perfect coin. When I say correct light, I mean incandescent or halogen, depending on your preference, and one source of light in a dimly lit room because light pollution from multiple sources can hide flaws. So remember, a premium quality coin will dazzle no matter how the light strikes it. A coin of lower quality will reveal hidden problems when tilted just right. If you're not sure what to expect, use previously graded coins as a point of reference. But keep in mind that even slab coins must be viewed in proper grading light to give you a good indication of quality. And standards can change from one day to the next, from one grader to the next, from one service to the next. Grading is a shorthand opinion given by a professional numismatist, not the gospel truth or an unimpeachable fact. Tip number four, diagram your coins. This is probably the most nerdcore thing you'll ever hear me say, but bear with me. When I was learning how to build good submissions, I would diagram the coins I was submitting for grading. Basically, I had a printout of the coins obverse and reverse, and I would draw the flaws that I saw in the coin onto the paper. I was methodical about this, starting from the 12 o'clock position and going clockwise around the perimeter. If I felt the coin had too many problems, I wouldn't submit it. If I had submitted other coins of the same type, I'd look at my diagrams to see how the two coins compared. And when I got the coin back, I'd look at the coin again and check my diagram to see if I missed anything. I'd then write the grade on the diagram and use it as a way of building a set of grading diagrams. After a while, and after hundreds of coins submitted, I didn't need to use this tool. But it really made me slow down and consider each coin. The coins I didn't submit because of this process did not cost me thousands of dollars but I could very easily have spent that money while learning how to grade if I didn't develop a tool like this to teach myself how to be discriminate about the coins I submitted. Tip number five, stage your submission. If you submit several coins from the same date or same series, it's best to employ the following strategy to get good results. Make it easy for the submitter to grade your order. Insert your coins in safe flips facing the same direction. I don't do this because of the fact that the coin obverses are weighted more heavily than the reverses. I do this so I don't annoy the graders and the order processors. Also make sure the safe flips are of uniform size. Do not mix problem coins with nice ones. A great coin order should make sense to a grader and lead them in a direction. If you have a coin that is valuable that you really want to grade high, sandwich it between other coins that are superb. Psychologically, the grader may think the submitter has nice coins and good taste. If you submit a valuable coin in an order filled with dogs, they might think, how the hell did this guy find one of these? Think about how you might treat a nice car. Let's take this concept and apply a real world scenario. Imagine how you might think of a nice car if you found it at a used car lot surrounded by junkers. You'd probably look at that car with a healthy dose of suspicion. Human psychology essentially works this way. Give somebody something nice surrounded by nice things, they'll probably have a better opinion of it. Submit like with like. Get the grader to think about a certain thing and keep that stream of thought going. A disjointed order filled with red and brown scents, nickels, gold, and commems, and then a silver eagle is likely to result in the graders rushing through the order without really contemplating your coins and how they relate to one another. An order of 20 peace dollars, however, might make them go back a few coins and rethink some grades especially if a ladder coin gives them pause for contemplation. Again, I've seen it with my own eyes. 
graders will re-review coins if you give them a reason to. They want to get it right, and you want to capitalize on their pattern recognition skills by giving them an order that gives them a basis point to compare your coins with other coins in the order. Tip number six, keep a spreadsheet of your submissions. Be fastidious about your TPG submissions. As I laid out with my diagram idea, being a collector submitter is about learning the rules of the game. I was not simply satisfied with sending my coins in a check and getting back whatever I got. I wanted to learn how to beat the system and win. The key is to predict as accurately as possible what your ROI, your return on investment, will be once you get your coins back. After screening and rescreening and diagramming and deciding, I would fill out my form and enter my submission onto a custom-made spreadsheet. My concept was simple. I list the coins by series, date, and mint, and enter my expected grade. I list the coins purchase price and grading costs. I even had columns for potential value and price realized when sold. I tabulated the potential arbitrage I would get from this coin submission if my estimated grades turned out to be 100% correct, and I estimated that arbitrage if I was up a point or down a point. When the coins came back, I filled in these columns and I got a pretty quick but rough sense of how profitable my submission was. I checked my mistakes against my diagrams, sell the coins I didn't want to keep, and try to learn from my mistakes. After a while, I realized a very important thing. As a collector, you develop taste and preference in the way you look at coins. Sometimes, actually oftentimes, this preference is harder on coins than the grading services tend to be, especially in coin series that you collect. I think in the long run, I might have to unlearn that if I want to be a professional dealer, because I think dealers need to have a more open mind in order to properly serve a variety of clients. But for me, in the series that I collect, I know that I trust my own eye, and I'm certain that my personal standards are as strict, if not stricter, than the industry standard. Having an accurate picture of what to expect is key when doing a cost analysis of the submission. Also, when it's time to sell your coins, it's good to know how much of a margin you'll have. Over time, as you become more familiar with coin grading and the standards that the different third-party grading services render onto a particular series, your accuracy with them will increase. Your spreadsheet and diagrams will serve as a historical record of all of your submissions and will show you how far you've come in assessing the quality of the coins you purchase for your collection. In the long run, you'll save time and money by learning how to grade coins yourself and apply a rigorous set of standards to the coins that you put together in submissions. And all those surprises are bound to come when you get your orders back, they'll be fewer and less disruptive to your bottom line. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. And remember, you can download every episode of the Coin Week podcast for free on the iTunes store or stream them online on our YouTube channel or on coinweek.com. For Coin Week, I'm editor Charles Morgan. Till next time, happy collecting.